0: All right, morning, everyone. Father, we thank you for this great privilege every Lord's Day to hear your word preached. I thank you for the great responsibility and privilege of preaching it, and would pray that by your grace I do justice to these verses we dig into this morning. I feel like there's much confusion about the kingdom of God, what it is and what it isn't, and so I pray for understanding for your people, clarity of speech for me. I pray we could leave this sermon with a good understanding of what jesus brought with him from heaven to earth what it means to to be part of the kingdom of god how we would be part of it and how we can look forward to a greater coming as it's physically established on the earth and thank you for the people you brought here lord and as always you bring any unbelievers before you and ask that today would be the day of salvation for them that you'd open their hearts to the gospel grant them faith and repentance in christ i pray especially if there be anyone who's deceived about their salvation that today would be the day that they would become part of Christ's kingdom. I pray for your Holy Spirit to work in the lives and hearts of believers during this time to sanctify us and conform us into the image of your Son. And we pray all this in His name, Amen. Then, amen, amen. The title this morning is "The Kingdom of God is in Your Midst." The kingdom of God is in your midst. And on Sunday mornings, we're working our way through Luke's Gospel, verse by verse, and we find ourselves at Luke seventeen twenty as you can tell from the title of the sermon the kingdom of God is in your midst and the scripture reading this sermon is about the kingdom of God I think the kingdom of God is confusing to people because of the number I think that because of the number of questions I've received about it over my years as a pastor and because of the times that I've heard people talk about the kingdom of God and I could tell that they didn't seem to understand what they were talking about there are some topics in Scripture that are more important than others, and this is one of them. So I'm thankful for the opportunity to give attention to it, provide understanding of it. I believe we'll probably have a supplementary sermon on, the, on this topic next week because I couldn't fit everything into this sermon. So what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is the kingdom that Jesus rules over. That might be the simplest way to define it. The kingdom of God is the kingdom that Jesus rules over. Every kingdom is going to have a what? A king... And this kingdom is where Jesus is king. There's a gentleman I'm friends with, another pastor, and I think every time he's ever referred to Jesus, he's referred to him as King Jesus. He always calls him King Jesus. Second Peter one eleven says, There will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's referring to the kingdom of God. Jesus brought this kingdom with him in his first coming when he came from heaven to earth. Let me say that one more time. When God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ and came from heaven to earth, he brought this kingdom with him. Every believer is part of this kingdom because it is the kingdom for people who have Jesus as their king. Every believer is part of this kingdom because it is the kingdom for people who want or have surrendered their lives to Christ, who have Look to him in faith repented of their sins and desired to live for him now we're going to get back to luke 17. we have a few other verses to look at first i try to put them in chronological order as we move through the gospel so take a look first at matthew 3 2. go ahead and turn there matthew 3 2. matthew 3 2 familiar verse i'm sure this is john the baptist speaking he is paving the way for the messiah or the coming king and look what he says repent for the kingdom of god is at hand and he said the kingdom of god is at hand because he knew that jesus was coming and bringing this kingdom with him matthew's gospel says kingdom of heaven maybe you've wondered this before is there a difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of god there is no difference they are the same thing as i've told you before matthew's gospel is largely addressed to whom to jews it is the jewish gospel they have sensitivities toward god being his name uh, being used verbally or written and so to avoid offending jewish sensitivities matthew refers to the kingdom of heaven where all the other gospel writers refer to the kingdom of god but there are numerous instances or parallel accounts that when comparing them you can tell that Mark Luke or John says kingdom of God but in Matthew's gospel it says kingdom of heaven so they are the same notice John told people what to do to prepare for the kingdom and what's that repent so we enter the kingdom by repentance and faith in Christ that was how to enter the kingdom in John the Baptist day and it is still how to enter the kingdom in our day look one chapter to the right at Matthew 4 verse 17. Matthew four seventeen, Jesus speaking it says almost the exact same words as John from that time Jesus began to preach saying repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand the kingdom of heaven is at hand now the ESV and New King James say at hand but you can probably see footnotes in your Bibles that say that it could also read the kingdom of God has come near which is how the NIV translates this verse and I like that rendering a little better. I like better the rendering, the kingdom of God has come near for two reasons. First, it is past tense. The kingdom has come, which it had because Jesus brought it with him. And second, it says that the kingdom has come near, which is fitting because Jesus was on the earth. People could see him. They could hear him. They could even touch him. He had the kingdom with him, and so to be near Jesus was to be near what? Okay. Huh? Amen. To be near the kingdom. To be near Jesus was to be near the kingdom. And so I like the the rendering the kingdom of God has come near. It had come near to these people in the person of Jesus Christ who had the kingdom with him. Now look at Luke 4:42. Luke 4:42. And while you turn there, I'll just share. Luke is pretty much the gospel of the kingdom of God. The phrase kingdom of God occurs 54 times in the Gospels, and 32 of those times are in Luke. Luke 4.43 is the first time that the phrase kingdom of God occurs, and it's very fitting. We're going to back up to verse 42 to get the context. So look with me at Luke 4.42. The people saw Jesus and came to him and they would have kept him from leaving them but he said to them i must preach the good news or the gospel of the kingdom of god to the other towns as well and then he says for i was sent for this purpose so picture this the people desire to keep christ in their presence perhaps because of his teaching or his miracles or simply his compassion and kindness toward people but he tells them that he must go and he must go for one specific reason. And what's that? What does he say? To preach the kingdom of God. He says, I must go so I can be preaching the kingdom of God. And he even goes so far as to say that that was his purpose. That's interesting, isn't it? Because generally we think that Jesus' purpose was dying on a cross. But right here, he says, My purpose is preaching the kingdom of God. We see him fulfill this purpose throughout his earthly ministry. I'll quickly show you some verses. Turn to Luke 8 1. Plenty of others i could show you but just a few examples a few examples of him fulfilling this purpose and preaching the kingdom of god luke 8 1 soon afterward jesus went on through cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news or again the gospel of the kingdom of god and the 12 were with him so Jesus is going through these cities he has this itinerant ministry never stays in one place very long moving from town to town or city to city or village to village preaching the kingdom of God he does have physical limitations he can only be in one place at once Christ when God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ he was not omnipresent and so he had to keep moving around and he knows that he can multiply his efforts by commissioning the 12 to also preach the kingdom of God which he does look in the next chapter luke 9 verse 1 so he calls the 12 together and he gave them power and authority over demons and to cure diseases verse 2 and he sent them out to proclaim for this very reason he sends them out to proclaim the kingdom of god and to heal Now, even that word proclaim, do you recognize the kingdom imagery that it maintains? We hear proclaim, and it reminds us of a herald that's coming and making an announcement or proclaiming an announcement for a king. And that's what the 12 apostles are doing. They're heralds for a king. And that, in a sense, that's what you are when you preach the gospel as well. You are a herald for the king of kings. So, the 12 apostles, they're going to announce that the king... Or the messiah has arrived they're going to tell people about the acts of this of this king which would be his miracles his teaching they're going to perform some miracles as well that legitimize their or give them credibility as heralds of the gospel they're going to describe the king's kingdom they're going to tell people what the kingdom is like they're going to tell people how to enter this kingdom so that's what they're doing and then look at verse 11. same chapter luke 9 11. When the crowds heard it they followed jesus and he welcomed them and he spoke to them of the kingdom of god and cured those who had need of healing so i want you to see this verse jesus attracts these huge crowds and what does he do with this opportunity he preaches he teaches huge crowds are following him he's approaching the the climax of popularity in his ministry and he turns to them and preaches to them about the kingdom of god look one chapter to the right at luke 10. Now, Jesus' ministry is multiplied such that he was going, then he commissions the 12 to go, and then, which is only recorded in Luke's gospel, so I don't think this is as well known to people, he then commissions who to go? The 70. He sends out the 70, and look what he says to them in verse 9, Luke 10, verse 9, heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you, because they were bringing the kingdom with them. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you go into its streets and say even the dust of your town that clings to our feet we wipe off against you nevertheless you better know this the kingdom of god had come near and basically you rejected it so jesus says go into towns preach the kingdom of god if they don't receive it don't waste more time there there are too many other towns and villages that need to be visited but before you leave you go ahead and let them know what you kick the dust don't bring any of that town with you and before you leave make sure you tell them what you blew it you have the kingdom of God here but you have rejected it. and I'm just letting you know that before I head on to the next village I could show you lots of other verses but you get the idea that the kingdom of God was being preached during Jesus's earthly ministry now I want to ask you two questions and then a hard question so look look back at Luke 9 just one chapter to the left two easy questions and then a hard question in Luke 9 2 It says that Jesus sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Now, here's the easy question. What did they proclaim or preach? What does it say? The kingdom of God. God. Now, look at verse 6. They departed. The 12 did. They went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now, your second easy question. What does this verse say that they preached? The gospel. Now, the hard question. How can verse two say that they preached the kingdom of God and verse six says they preached the gospel? That's the question. How can verse two say they preached the kingdom of God and verse six says they preached the gospel? How can I say that, huh? It is the same thing. It is the same thing. And this brings us to lesson one, part one. They preached part one, the kingdom of God and the gospels. They preached part one the kingdom of god and the gospels that was the gospel in the gospels and here's why i think this is important i even thought of having a couple young men but i didn't think of it till this morning and i thought it might be too stressful to ask them to do this although i suppose if any young man wants to be brave and briefly stand up and in one sentence tell me the gospel is there a young man that would take that challenge on Any courageous young men in here that would stand up and in one sentence tell me the gospel? Do you want to give it a shot? I think I got it wrong when we talked (laughs) earlier. Go go, go ahead, give it a shot. Let's see. Stand up. Face the congregation. You can do it, I bet. (laughs) You can do it. Oh, and maybe two sentences. One or two sentences. Turn around and tell the congregation the gospel. Go ahead and stand up. Be a herald. Be Be a herald. (laughs) hey for being on the spot that's a good gospel presentation right there i think i think so yeah being on the spot without practicing anyone else want to give it a shot i was thinking three if we could have three that'd be good i don't have to call call on someone <laughs> so here's my suspicion are you pointing to someone Ashlyn? oh <laughs> she put it what do you think jake i shouldn't have, No, he's hiding about there. no matter how many people i have stand up to preach the gospel there's going to be some differences but i bet there's at least two things that are going to fill every single one of those presentations the mention of jesus and the mention of him dying whether you do it directly saying he died for your sins or indirectly by saying he hung on a cross every single gospel presentation that anyone in here would deliver is going to mention Jesus and going to mention his death one way or another now that leaves us with some nagging questions such as how did they preach the gospel before Jesus died how do they preach the gospel before he if we're going to preach that Christ hung on a cross and that's the gospel Then what are they going to preach before the cross or before he hung on it and it can this misunderstanding or confusion people have even lead to some terrible or i would even say heretical conclusions like the gospel didn't exist before jesus hung on the cross the gospel must be a new testament invention and i don't mean just like new testament in the gospels themselves even past The gospels themselves a new testament invention which some people think of paul that paul was the creator or inventor of the gospel that it did not originate prior to him which is completely untrue and one of the reasons that we can see it's untrue is because if you look in verse contrast verses 2 and 6 you can see that the 12 were preaching the kingdom of god and verse 6 says that they were preaching the oh come on we can do a little better than that verse 2 says they're preaching the kingdom of god and the verse 6 says they were preaching the and that's before christ died that's before the cross so here's what you need to understand because the revelation people have had has changed throughout human history the gospel itself has not changed because the gospel is man is saved by grace through faith that has always been the same under any dispensation that is an unchangeable reality that man has always been saved by grace through faith but because revelation has been both progressive and cumulative which is to say greater revelation has been given over time and that that's progressive and that revelation has been cumulative in that it has built on previous revelation the content of the presentations themselves has changed and you see that in these verses here so during Christ's earthly ministry they could not preach the death burial and resurrection of Christ because Christ had not died been buried or resurrected yet so they preached what they could which was what the kingdom of God god became a man in the person of jesus christ he came from heaven to earth he brought his kingdom with him that was the primary message of the gospels and so think of the way jesus began much of his teaching or preaching ministry what is the phrase that generally captures or introduces all of jesus's teaching the kingdom of god is like the kingdom of god is like Now we might think that it would make more sense if he said what salvation is like or the gospel is like but to become part of the kingdom of god was to be saved was to have salvation or was to believe the gospel they're all synonymous now the next question you're asking is this okay well then what did they preach in the old testament before the messiah came with the kingdom of god so if they're preaching the kingdom of god in the gospels well then what are they preaching in the old testament before the kingdom of god came from heaven to earth well i'm super glad that you guys asked that and this brings us to the next part of lesson one they preached part two the coming messiah in the old testament they preached the coming messiah in the old testament So in the old testament people were saved by believing god would send a messiah and that could sound odd to you but you know what maybe people in the old testament would think it's odd that we're saved by believing god has sent a messiah let me say that one more time i tell you people were saved in the old testament by believing god would send a messiah and that could sound strange but maybe it would sound strange to people in the old testament the people in the New Testament or people in the future would be saved by believing that God had sent a Messiah because they maybe they would criticize you maybe they would say wait it takes faith for us we have to believe he's going to come but how hard is it for these people in the New Testament to believe he has come so sometimes there's a belief that it didn't require much faith in the Old Testament I bet the Old Testament Saints probably think it doesn't require any faith for you guys because you should all believe that the Messiah has come. And when we consider how much evidence that Jesus has come, it is shocking to me. It does reveal a spiritual blindness people have that they wouldn't believe that clearly the most important person throughout all of human history hadn't come. That's shocking that people would deny that. Let me give you two verses supporting this. Galatians, you don't have to turn there, but Galatians 3.8, listen to this. Galatians 3.8 says, God preached the gospel to abraham well we've got the new testament saying the gospel was preached to abraham clearly showing the gospel in the old testament and we're even told what that gospel presentation was now that's interesting isn't it we're going to get to hear what the gospel was when it was preached to abraham galatians 3 says god preached the gospel to abraham saying in you all the nations shall be blessed now that's almost anticlimactic, right because you're thinking oh wow we're going to get to hear the gospel that God preached to Abraham and that doesn't sound like very much of a gospel presentation to us because there's no mention of Jesus no mention of his death no mention of his burial no mention of his resurrection but I tricked you because there is mention of Jesus right because he is the one in whom all the nations of the earth will be blessed and so when god told abraham that through him all the nations of the earth would be blessed and abraham believed that god would provide that messiah from his descendants that would bless all the nations he was saved or justified he believed that prophecy genesis fifteen six. abraham believed the lord and the lord counted it or accredited it to him to abraham as righteousness and that is justification we're told that abraham was justified or declared righteous by his faith or belief in god's promise that he would send a messiah that's what justification means declared righteous and abraham is justified or declared righteous by his faith one more verse hebrews 4 2. the gospel was preached to us now that's not a big deal because the hebrew the author of hebrews says the gospel was preached to us and all of his readers know that we're talking church age here everyone knows the gospels preached during this time but then he also says this listen to this the gospel is preached to us as well as to the israelites in the wilderness so here we're told that the gospel was preached to the israelites in the wilderness now we don't know exactly what that gospel presentation looked like but there was some way for the israelites in the wilderness to know of Christ's coming and to be able to look forward to him in faith and be saved by that faith in him now if you know my opinion here's what i think they saw christ or they looked forward to christ in faith through all of those amazing types and shadows of christ that accompanied them in the wilderness for example they saw christ through the bronze serpent and that shouldn't sound too strange because when jesus wanted to talk about himself what did he compare himself with john 3 14 as moses lifted up the bronze serpent in the wilderness so must the son of man be lifted up they saw christ through the manna john 6 32 and 33 moses didn't give you the bread from heaven my father gives you the true bread from heaven referring to himself for the bread of god is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world which carl had pointed out in his devotion there to draw the the typology between joseph and jesus giving bread to the world first corinthians ten four says that the rock that followed them in the wilderness was christ It doesn't even say that that rock looked forward to christ it says that rock was christ so they could look forward to christ through all of these incredible types and shadows in the wilderness and that was the gospel to them understanding this also helps you hopefully understand why there's such a dramatic change between the preaching and the gospels and acts and here's what i mean when you're going through the gospels and every time jesus opens his mouth or when he sends out the 12 or when he sends out the 70 everyone's preaching the kingdom if Jesus opens his mouth he preaches the kingdom he commissions the 12 to preach the kingdom and then he commissions the 70 to preach the kingdom nothing looks more important than the preaching of the kingdom and then you transition into acts which happens to be written by Luke as well so it's not a sometimes there's a change in the vernacular or the writing of the author's when you transition into acts you're dealing with the same author as luke luke is the gospel writer of the kingdom of god he wrote about the kingdom more than anyone else he moves into acts you're anticipating greater continued preaching about the kingdom peter's going to stand up on pentecost and because the preaching of the kingdom of god has been the critical part of preaching throughout the gospels peter's going to open his mouth at pentecost and preach what the kingdom of God but he didn't he's going to preach the gospel there my point is there is a very sudden and abrupt change when you leave the Gospels and move into acts and the epistles a very sudden and abrupt change where you no longer see the preaching of the kingdom of God which had been the primary preaching up to that point when you reach acts what's the preaching and when you reach the epistles what's the preaching this brings us to the last part of lesson one they preach part three christ crucified in the church in the church they preach christ crucified so on this side of the cross the side we live on we preach christ crucified first corinthians 1 paul says we preach christ crucified first corinthians 2 2 i decided to know nothing among you except jesus christ and him crucified and so now when we share the gospel with people we share it like my son shared it or preached jesus died for your sins you are a sinner you might add he's buried three days later god raised him from the dead and a few examples demonstrating that this is the message after the cross you can read acts 2 i I didn't give enough attention to that chapter that i didn't want to draw more attention but when peter preached on pentecost how did he convict the jews or how did he condemn them he said you crucified your messiah in other words he died he died for you you hung him on a tree when peter preaches to cornelius and those with him he preached christ's death burial and resurrection acts 10 39 and 40 they put jesus to death by hanging him on a tree But god raised him on the third day and made him appear when paul preached to antioch acts 13 29 when they carried out all those written of jesus they took him down from the tree laid him in the tomb but god raised him from the dead and then in the epistles 1 Corinthians fifteen three. 15 3 christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures he's buried raised on the third day colossians 2 12 jesus is buried we're buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith and the powerful working of god to raise him from the dead so my point is you leave acts and now it's all the preaching of Christ's death burial and resurrection on the third day now I'll go ahead and turn to Matthew 13. i explain the context Peter preaches excuse me Jesus preaches the parable of the sower I think one of the easier parables to understand so it's encouraging to me that people were confused and the disciples come to Jesus after noticing people's confusion about the parable of the sower, and they ask Jesus, "What doesn't it remember? Basically, why are you preaching in parables? Why don't you just speak plainly to people? It's clearly causing some confusion to preach in parables." Look at Jesus's answer in Matthew thirteen thirteen. He says, "This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see." And hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. So He says they see, but they don't see. They hear, but they don't hear. He clearly means that they see in what way? Does anyone want to take a stab at this? Physically, but they're blind. He says they hear physically, but they're blind spiritually. And you know that they can hear physically because they just heard the parable. You know they can see physically because they can see Jesus preaching the parable. But they're blind spiritually and they're deaf spiritually. Now, look at verse 16. Jesus says, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. And he definitely did not mean physically, he meant they could see and hear spiritually. Verse 17, Truly I say to you, many prophets, this is why you're so blessed. He says, There's many prophets and righteous people who longed or who would love to see what you see and didn't see and to hear what you hear and didn't hear it so he's talking about old testament saints who would have given their right arm to be able to see and hear the things that the disciples in jesus's day were seeing and hearing and it's interesting to me that in this verse he mentions prophets because prophets are the ones who see did you catch that in the verse he says there are many prophets in the old testament who would love to be able to see what you see and those are like the people who see they were even called what what's the other name for them seers so they could see things but even they couldn't see the things the people in jesus's day got to see and so what was it now here's the question what was it that the people in jesus's day were able to see and not able to see what were the people in jesus's day able to see and not see now you might be able to you might be tempted to say the messiah that's partially true but there were plenty of people who could see the messiah that jesus still said were blind let me say one more time you're tempted to say oh the people in christ's day they got to see christ they got to see the messiah but jesus still said that many of those people who saw him were blind and who heard him were deaf so it is not believe it or not primarily talking about being able to see jesus and hear him because there were lots of people that saw him and heard him what people couldn't see was the kingdom of god they could not see the kingdom of god look at verse 11. he said to them to you it has been given to know the secrets you can see the kingdom of god But to them these secrets have not been given they cannot see it it says kingdom of heaven But remember we're in matthew's gospel this is the kingdom of god and so jesus says what these people can't see that you can see is the kingdom of god and why is that why couldn't they see the kingdom of god and the answer brings us to lesson two jesus spiritually established the kingdom of god at his first coming jesus spiritually established the kingdom of god at his first coming they could you got you got spiritually blind people they're not going to be able to see a spiritual kingdom does that make sense if you have spiritually deaf people they're not going to be able to hear the or understand the secrets of that kingdom spiritual blindness prevents you from seeing and understanding spiritual truths or from seeing or understanding a spiritual kingdom romans fourteen seventeen the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking what does that mean the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking means it's not a matter of physical things but of righteousness peace and joy in the Holy Spirit righteousness peace and joy are what spiritual things so this is just a way of saying that the kingdom of God is not physical or about physical things but is spiritual and is about spiritual things now if you want to see the spiritually blindest people in Jesus's day Go ahead and turn to luke 17 for our verses this morning we finished our foundation (laughs) for these verses now we can look at these verses with good understanding the spiritually blindest people in jesus's day who clearly could not see the kingdom look in luke 17 our new verse for this morning verse 20 being, you almost, it's shocking. I mean, I don't know how many times I read this this week. It is shocking to me that I can read this. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come. Think about what you just read. After, the, after everything you've read up to this point, How many, you might have even gotten tired of me showing you all the verses about the kingdom of God being preached. You could have said, okay, Pastor Scott, I get it. The kingdom of God is being preached. In Jesus's day, we saw Jesus preach it. We saw John the Baptist preach. We saw the 12 preach. We saw the 70 preach. And I could have shown you a bunch of other people who preached it. I just didn't want you to get bored of hearing so many verses about the kingdom of God. Yet you can read this. You can read this that after all those verses, after all of the preaching of the kingdom of God, you can still read a verse where the Pharisees came and said, when is the kingdom of God going to come? Why would they ask this? Why would they ask, hey, hey, you know, when's the kingdom of God going to come when all they've heard from Jesus and his disciples is the kingdom of God has come? Hundreds, thousands of times it's been preached the kingdom of God has come and the religious leaders come and say when is the kingdom of God coming how could they ask this it's not sincere this is an antagonistic question they do not think that the kingdom has come and you know that we're coming toward the end of Jesus's ministry he's moving from the popularity to hostility and he's experiencing the most hostility from the religious leaders it's not like the religious leaders suddenly became spiritual people that are interested in the kingdom of God they ask this mockingly they're ridiculing because they don't believe the kingdom has come so look what Jesus says in the next verse or excuse me look what Jesus says in the rest of the verse verse 20. he answers them and he says the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed What does that mean it's not coming in ways that can be seen physically or observed physically jesus says it's not a kingdom you're gonna come you're gonna see physically because i brought it spiritually look at verse 21 to see that point continue nor will they or anyone say hey look here it is here's the kingdom or look there there's the kingdom for behold the kingdom of god is in the midst of you People aren't going to be able to say, hey, look, there's the kingdom or there's the kingdom because it's not a physical kingdom that you can point to. Instead, the kingdom, and then he tells them this statement, the kingdom of God is in your midst. And why did Jesus say the kingdom of God is in your midst? For the same reason that Jesus said the kingdom of God has come or is near. Whenever you're reading the gospels, the kingdom of God is near. You read that because Jesus was near people. And so Jesus could say this. The kingdom of God is in your midst, because he had the kingdom with him, and to have Jesus in their midst, which he was, was to have the kingdom in their midst. Now I'll show you something interesting. Look at Luke twenty one. Look at Luke twenty-one, verse twenty-five. Do your Bibles have headings around this verse, around Luke twenty one, twenty five? What are the headings in your Bible say? The coming of the Son of Man. The coming of the Son of Man, good. Or what else? what luke twenty-one twenty-five. that's all right the return of christ the second coming of christ so you can tell right here we're talking about the return of christ jesus is telling us how to tell when his second coming is approaching and it's interesting this is the first time i believe that i've been preaching behind this pulpit and encountered super eschatological verses which is what we're going to get, start getting to as this passage in luke 17. in other words whatever your eschatology is or what do you whatever you think about the end times you've pretty much been able to into my preaching and probably not cringe if that wasn't your eschatology but we're coming to some verses over these couple weeks as luke 17 continues where there's nowhere no way around identifying the eschatology that we at Willing Christian Church hold to or believe it's going to it's going to be evident that we're premillennial, dispensational pre-tribulational and those verses there's I mean the way you interpret those verses reveals or identifies the eschatology that you hold to now with that said I don't eschatology I see is I don't see it as a non-essential by any means but I definitely see it's, it's secondary to the gospel and some other things but it's interesting to be at a point in my preaching where it's going to have to become completely evident what we think about uh, about end times matters so right here a little insight into into our our view jesus is telling us how to tell when his second coming is approaching now we know that right before the second coming is the tribulation right before the second coming is a seven-year tribulation and verses 25 through 28 describe that we don't have to read all these verses but you can see he says there's going to be signs in the sun the moon and the stars in verse 25 verse 26 people are going to be fainting uh verse 27 that then they'll see the son of man coming in a cloud okay now in verse 29 jesus tells or preaches a parable and this is what i want you to notice jesus pre- preaches the parable of the fig tree to help us understand when his coming is close so look in luke twenty-one twenty-nine. he told them a parable look at the fig tree and all the trees as soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near so also when you see these things take place look at this this is the important part you know the kingdom of God is near okay you just read that Jesus preached a parable so people would know when the kingdom of God in the future is near the context of these verses is the second coming of christ we saw that I, didn't, I i i draw your attention to almost nothing insignificant every single thing i draw your attention to there's a reason i labor over these messages for 30 hours a week if i point something out it's because it's going to build up to something else and i want you to see the context that this is the second coming of christ and jesus says you can tell when the kingdom of god is near associated with his second coming now what's strange about that We just spent most of the sermon talking about the kingdom of God having come. We just spent this sermon talking about the kingdom of God having come, and now Jesus is saying, hey, here's how you'll know when the kingdom of God is going to come or is near to coming at my second coming. What do you pray? What's like the most famous well-known prayer you teach your kids the our Father your kingdom come your will be done on earth as in why would we be praying repeatedly for Jesus's kingdom to come when it has already come it just doesn't seem to make sense does it have you ever wondered that I hope this can be the Sunday it's resolved for you the answer brings us to lesson three Jesus will physically establish the kingdom of God at his second coming jesus will physically establish the kingdom of god at his second coming so if you understand this it makes so much sense of the rest of the gospels and of prophecy in general at Christ's first coming he established the kingdom of god okay i want you guys to nail this just bless your pastor's heart and (laughs) say this loudly at Christ's first coming, he brought the kingdom and established it. And at his second coming, he will establish it physically. That blesses me. Thank you. On the earth. Ephesians 1.10, God's plan for the fullness of time is to unite all things in Jesus. Listen to this. Things in heaven and things on earth. It is God's plan that through Christ, he will unite all things in heaven and on earth and he does that by having Jesus bring the kingdom of God from heaven and establish it on the earth now why was the kingdom of God never physically established in his first coming because the king of that kingdom was rejected he was crucified Jesus will return at his second coming he will destroy his enemies and then he will physically establish his kingdom on the earth you have citizenship spiritually that's going to become physical citizenship let me say that more time you currently have spiritual citizenship in the kingdom you're going to have physical citizenship in the kingdom Philippians 320 our citizenship is in heaven as and from it we await a Savior the Lord Jesus Christ but when he physically establishes his kingdom on the earth you'll have physical citizenship in that kingdom now turn to John 3. a few chapters to the right okay john 3 start at verse 1. there was a man of the pharisees named nicodemus a ruler of the jews this man came to jesus by night and said to him rabbi we know that you're a teacher come from god for no one can do the things that you do unless god is with him so he's a pharisee he doesn't want any other pharisees to know he's talking to jesus but he's spiritually he's not spiritually blind like they are i'm not he's not a christian or believer at this point we know that because jesus tells him that he hasn't been what yet born again but he's got he's being drawn he's one of these people like when jesus says you're close or near to the kingdom of god and so john or nicodemus has the these questions he comes to jesus tonight where he can do so secretly and he says rabbi and he doesn't really ask a question he just makes this statement and look at verse 3 jesus answered him truly truly i say to you unless one is born again he cannot see the kingdom of god this is one of those times and it's probably actually my favorite example of this in the gospels when jesus said something that just looks like he wasn't listening well have you ever noticed that Jesus would respond to people, and it looks like his response has nothing to do with what they said. I mean, Nicodemus didn't even ask a question, and what does verse 3 say? Jesus answered. How do you answer when you're not asked a question? So you, or or maybe something worse you could think is you could say, well, our Bible's not translated very well, and Jesus actually said something that did make sense, but it sounds like it doesn't make sense because there's a poor translation there. That's not it at all. It's nothing like that it's actually the opposite Jesus could see people's hearts so you're saying it just seems like Jesus isn't paying attention or maybe he doesn't care enough to listen no it's the opposite he he cared enough he could see people's hearts so he could look past what they asked to see their real need And that's why you frequently see Jesus say things that don't have that much to do with what the person is asking because he's heading toward the greatest need in their lives. And in Nicodemus' case, he hadn't been born again. And this brings us to our last lesson. Lesson four, nobody is born into the kingdom of God. Nobody is born into the kingdom of God. In verse three, Jesus said people can't even see you can't even see notice he said that you can't even see the kingdom of God without being born again now look at Nicodemus's response Nicodemus said to him how can a man be born when he's old can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born Jesus answered truly truly I say to you unless one is born of water and the spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of God now I'm not saying that Nicodemus had incredible spiritual sight at this moment because he can't stop looking at things physically and look at them spiritually i mean we're talking about spiritual blindness and jesus is talking about being born again and nicodemus did not have the spiritual sight to know that jesus wasn't talking physically but was talking spiritually so nicodemus says how's a man going to be physically born again and go go back inside his mother's womb so look what jesus says in the next verse to him or in verse six, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. So there's a physical birth is what he's saying, but I'm not talking about a physical birth here. That which is born of the Spirit, because we've got a spiritual kingdom we're talking about, is born of the Spirit. Spirit is Spirit. So Jesus just says, we're not talking about a physical birth. You've already had your physical birth. We're talking about spiritual matters here, a spiritual kingdom. You cannot be born into it physically you can only be born into it spiritually, and so you need a new birth. You've had your physical birth, but you need your new birth, spiritually, to be born into this kingdom. And this is what's known as regeneration. This is what it means to be brought to life spiritually. So, just last night, we're at this. Uh, Kirk was we're at a table, the Montscuses and Old Times. We're attending attending a, um, Heidi Saint John's thing in Vancouver. Kirk starts talking. With the table and sharing with us. if anyone walked past our table they would have seen a bible study which i thought was kind of kind of a nice thing and i was sitting back enjoying the the bible study taking place and kirk is asking talking talking to i think one of my children and says hey when jesus when the devil said or when god said the day you eat of it you're going to die how did they die so god said to adam and eve the day you eat you're going to die did they and did they eat and it was like filled with arsenic and they fell over with so they ate either god's a liar or they died <laughs> so how do they die yeah they died spiritually they have to be brought we have to and so we're born physically but spiritually dead we need to be we must be brought to life spiritually And that spiritual birth happens through repentance and faith in christ then christ becomes your king and then you're born into the kingdom of god if you have any questions about anything that i've shared this morning or i can pray for you in any way i'll be up front after service and i'd consider it a privilege to speak with you father we thank you for the kingdom that your son brought from heaven to earth we thank you for the great privilege of being part of that kingdom through faith in the king we thank you for king jesus the king of kings the lord of lords the the king of our lives we live for him we we strive to please him we strive to live lives surrendered to him i thank you for this this great citizenship that has been given to us lord and i pray for understanding for your people the kingdom of god such an in a significant topic especially during the gospels and so i pray lord for clarity as we as as your people continue reading the gospels regarding these topics and as we look in the future as we continue in luke to christ's second coming and then that kingdom being physically established on the earth give us right understanding of some of these more confusing matters that perhaps even could be neglected by people i don't think it's a sufficient answer to say i'm a pan you know however it pans out or pan trip or we we're we're bound to rightly divide your word lord and so help us to do that i thank you again for christ and the kingdom he brought and then allows us to be part of through faith in him and we pray this in his name amen